Welcome to the NFL 100 show from Gridiron, looking back at the great rivalries of the NFL by looking at the history of them with the players and coaches involved ahead of them facing off in a week six matchup. This week we're going to be talking about the New York Giants and the New England Patriots. I can bet you can guess which games we're going to talk about, specifically Super Bowl 42 and the David Tyree catch. David Tyree will join us, as will Tony Dungy. You're listening to the NFL 100 Show. This is the NFL 100 show. Of course, we might have a little bit of OCU Manura as well. I'm still trying to dig out the audio from when we chatted to him about this game back at the Super Bowl. It's back at Super Bowl 50 when we yeah, talked to him about was. this game back Sounds in San right. Francisco. And we, I think we went over to his hotel because something else fell through. Uh, all very up in the air. Which year was Super Bowl 50? 2017? 2016? <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, no, 2016. Yeah, 2016. Right. I will. I'm trying to dig out the audio. I will do my best to find it. There may be some OCU manure in this podcast as well. We'll wait and find out. Sherry, how are you feeling about having to talk for the next 25 minutes or so about one of the most devastating days of your life? I mean, I've clipped out lots of audio for this one, so there's a reason for that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's one of them things where you, you think time will be a great healer, especially after three other Super Bowl wins, but this one still really hurts. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Unfortunately, the OC audio that I sent over was sent via Dropbox, so I'm going to have to search uh, some laptops. I think we're not going to have OCU Manura, but if we do, I'll tag it on the end instead of where we've got it at the moment. Uh, live production meeting happening on the podcast. So, I mean, the Giants-Patriots Super Bowl, we'd obviously come off a period of time where the Patriots under Bill Belichick had won three and four years, had been incredibly dominant, and then had the little down period, the little swing through there, um, the, the, the kind of part of the reason why these Super Bowls are so important, the pair of them, are not only because it was the opportunity to really establish the dynasty beyond that four-year period, but Bill Belichick having such close links to the Giants. And, and in fact, one of my favourite moments that you and I have shared in recent years Absolutely. was when we were in Minnesota watching the two Bills documentary for, for, uh, for NFL films that they did. And there's a fantastic moment in that documentary when they go into the, the, the Giants uh, entrance or the kind of Hall of Fame bit where the four Super Bowl titles they've won are. And there's the two that the two Bills won together. And there's the two that the Giants won from the Patriots. And Bill Belichick says, there are our two. And there are the two that we gifted them. <laughs> it's a wonderful, it's, wonderful moment. I mean, do you know what the funny part is? I watched that last week because um, I was writing about uh, Belichick and his thing with the Jets. Um, so I was look, watching that back for research. I don't watch the full thing again. Such a great documentary. And Ken Rogers, the director from NFL Films, has become a, a genuine friend. So no, I what a guy. watch it. It's sensational. Um, but yeah, I mean, Belichick fashioned his, his, his kind of reputation with the Giants. I mean... He, he arrived there in the, in the 70s as special teams coach, worked his way up at the Giants and uh, alongside Parcells, who arrived at the same time, left for a little while and then came back. And, and it was Ray Perkins who was the head coach initially. And that started the, the revival of the, the New York Giants. And then we see when Belichick becomes the defensive coordinator is when that Giants team of the 80s really rises to the level of, you know, 
the the Niners teams and things like that. The win win a pair of Super Bowls with him as as D coordinator and and the, I guess the most famous of those is the is the 2019. I think it was against the Buffalo Bills in in the 1990 season. Um, so yeah, I mean he had a great history with the Giants and and we we saw when he walked back into that building for the Football Life documentary that he did a few years ago, how he, how he got really choked up emotional thinking about those days. So, so, yeah, I think that's a fascinating subplot. Parcells looms large over this as well because Tom Coughlin was on that staff as well. So it was, it was, there were maidens of Parcells' disciples when, when the Giants and, and Patriots faced off over those two Super Bowls. And, and, and that adds a, an interesting subplot as well. Now the Patriots, when this came uh, to uh, to this game, this was the first time. I, I think when the Patriots won their three Super Bowls, at least the first two, they were seen as the plucky underdogs. Bill Belichick had obviously had his nonsense with the Jets. We'd had the the fact that they hadn't been a very good franchise for a very long time and people liked seeing them have a modicum of success. You get round to 2007, 2008 and, and you're seeing people starting to get frustrated with just how successful the Patriots are. And so when you're offered up an opportunity to accuse them of being cheats, you take it with two hands. Yeah, yeah. And that was the the subplot of this season that really shone through was the Spygate situation. Um you know, it was just before the season where they where they had the the unprecedented level of of discipline for that whole affair. I mean, it, it's funny. I could have picked three or four bits of audio just to chat about Spygate. Um, Bill Paulian essentially claimed that that was the reason they won in the early years, um, but he didn't he didn't speak about it for long. He was just he, he just clearly didn't want to talk much about it. And 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 then separate to that, I, I've spoken to people around that time who have told me off the record that what New England say, which is lots of teams were doing it and they were just the ones who, who kind of got done for it. Um, I thought the most balanced viewpoint was, was that from Tony Dungy. So let's hear a little bit about him, he, a little bit from him about it. You know, he was the head coach of the Colts in that era when New England was so often beaten Indianapolis in playoff games. And, and he talks about Spygate and, and, you know, whether it really is a, a big mark on the, on the legacy of the Patriots. Well, it's something they didn't need to do. I mean, they they were excellent. They had great scouting, great coaches, great players, and they're, they're going to win, you know, a lot no matter what. Um, it, it wasn't something that took everybody by surprise. A lot of people knew they were doing that. I knew because uh, one of the guys who played for me uh, kind of gave me the information that that's what they were doing years before it came out. Yeah. Um, so it, it just... It's too bad, but again, I think they've showed that they didn't need to do that to win. Well, I mean, it's 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 commonly said by people who defend them that it was it was they weren't the only team around the league doing it. Is that something that you were ever aware of that, that it was a common practice, or, or do you think those those were the only guys doing it? I I, I don't know how many people did it. Um, you know, everybody tried to get signals and, and find out what the other team is doing. That's part of football. But when you have an express rule that you can't do certain things, um, you know, you expect people to abide by those rules. And so that's the only thing that was different. They videotape things, which you couldn't do. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know any other coaches that I was involved with that, that did it. So I, I couldn't even speculate on how many people might have done it. Fair enough. And... 
Tony Dungy talking Spygate. Uh, you are listening to the NFL 100 show. Will Gavin and Matt Sherry, my favourite NFL historian down the line with me. Book coming out next year to celebrate 100 years of the NFL. Any given Sunday. I remembered the name now, Sherry. Well done, me. Uh, so when you tell me it's been changed. Uh, so... Tony Dungy talking Spygate. Let's also talk about the role that the, the Colts played in this season for the New England Patriots. Yeah, I mean, you know, that 06 AFC Championship game is is probably, I guess, the, the most famous outside of the fourth and two play of the of the of the rivalry between between the two teams. And and that was a game in which New England got on top early. I think they were leading something like 21-6 at half-time. And then the Colts roared back in the second half and really ended the hoodoo because at that time, New England had, had basically always beaten the Colts in the playoffs over those runs. And and the Colts won that game, went on to win the Super Bowl that year. And, and I spoke to a few guys in that Colts team and on the staff who said, you know, that was... The, the Super Bowl to them was beating New England. It was it was a bigger emotional reaction to that game. But it also triggered a reaction in New England. I think what they realised, you know, that was the year after the trade of Dion Branch. And, and they realised they hadn't done enough to support Tom Brady. So they went out and got, you know, this unknown return man who turned into a, a really great slot receiver called Wes Welker. And, uh, and then traded for Randy Moss from, from Auckland as well. And that's... Is the is the foundation of sixteen and all really? New England unleashed this this game changing offensive attack on the NFL, in which Welger's the guy in the slot in the middle, and then Moss is is capable of going deep. And and you know they break all kinds of records. Brady the amount of touchdown passes in the season. Moss the the touchdown receptions fifty and twenty three. I think is that right? Or was it forty eight? Something along those lines. But. Um, so yeah, and, and that that sets the, the tone for, for this scenario. But I think looking back now as I as I've started to, I'm not finished this chapter yet and I'm I haven't watched the Super Bowl game back yet. I'm sure I will at some point, given it's one of the two. You literally games. have to. Uh, you literally have to watch it. <laughs> but you know, one thing I have noticed is is cracks did start to show as that season wore on. And you know, it wasn't really talked about at the time because they won every game still. But if you look back, there were problems that started to show themselves over the season and and I guess initially we saw that in week 17 when the Patriots played the Giants a game in which the Patriots were going to be the first team for 16-0 and the Giants only just lost on the road in, in Foxborough so so let's hear David Tyree initially talk about that game and, and the importance on the Giants this season. Yeah I mean the significance for us was there was a game on our schedule and we wanted to win it that was a significance for us. I'm sure they had uh, a slightly greater incentive with the opportunity to be the first 16-0 and team. Um, and as much as that was, you know, the the added incentive was to knock that, knock that off their resume. But, yeah, I think that was the simplicity of it for us. We, we, we loved the game. We had a coach who, who loved coaching the game and, and felt like games are to play to win. Um, and, and we could easily buy it, you know, could have bought into, you know, the idea of sitting players and, you know, that's, that's not our decision to make. But I think we were excited to have a shot at the opportunity to knock those guys off and it was competitive. Um, it was a, like I said, we it took, took it down to the wire and they were a really good football team and they won. So, 38-35, massive win in the regular season to send New England to 16 to 16-0. Uh, New England coming as close as any team has ever come to 
cracking the Miami Dolphins soul holding of a of an undefeated NFL season. But it you know the fact is is these two teams would meet again it would be a very different outcome when they finally got there. How did they get there, Sherry? Yeah, I mean the Patriots beat the Jaguars fairly easily in the in the divisional round. But then I think I mentioned crack start of the show. This San Diego game's the really interesting one to me. The the Patriots only scored twenty one points, so it wasn't the offensive explosion that we'd seen over the over the regular season. And you started to see some of the some of the issues that were that, that were created by, you know, get a bit of pressure on Brady if you can if you can stop the deep ball to Matt Moss and, and stop Edelman underneath. Easier said than done, but playoff teams are capable of doing that. Then then it becomes a lot more difficult for them. I mean, and then, you know, I think this Super Bowl as well, as much as anything, it was the periods going against the actual team of destiny. And that was shown across the Giants' playoff run. I mean, they won the four games by a combined 20 points, beat the Buccaneers, the Cowboys. And then it culminates in this amazing victory in, in overtime at Lambeau Field, in which, you know, Tom Coughlin tells a great story about him looking at Lawrence Tynes, the kicker, and he'd already asked him, can you make a 40-plus yard field goal? And Tynes had had a bit of a rough night, if I remember rightly, in, in icy conditions. And, and he asks the question of, of, can you do it? And Tynes doesn't answer. So then Coughlin doesn't even know if he's going to try and kick the, I think it's a 48-yard field goal in overtime. But he looks at Tynes, and Tynes just runs onto the field. So Coughlin just thinks, well, he's clearly ready, shouts field goal into his headset, and then you know, the rest is, is history. So so let's hear Tyree, who was obviously part of that night as well, just talk about the, the meaning of that victory at Lambeau Field and, and just what the emotions were like after that win over Brett Favre and, and the Packers. Yeah, the feeling the feeling was magical. The feeling was, you know, this is happening. You know, it's kind of like, you know, um, you, you go into every game, you prepare for every game, you expect to win every game. And, you know, as we go into Tampa, you know the unique thing about Tampa is obviously they have a they have a fan base that is you know can easily divide and we got a lot of, we got a lot of New Yorkers down in Florida, so you know there was more support in Tampa than we could have ever imagined, and um, even though it was still an intense environment, so and so you know you know as we as we as we finished that game up, the belief was just at an all time high, and we know we got to go on the. Dallas, and that's going to be rough, rugged. And I think you know that 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 momentum from that first playoff win, and the energy from that first playoff win just propelled us. Um, and that that was really it. It was it was it was in a sense it was it was magical. In a sense it was expected. Um, but then there's always the unbelief part of it, like wow, we're this is happening. So um, it's it's just really a special special um, time in everyone's life that is. It's hard to embrace the moment, but you know you're just so grateful to be a part of. It. And when you when you're on the on the brink of a Super Bowl in overtime, in the NFL's most iconic stadium, probably Lambeau Field. I mean, what what was it like in that moment when you know Lawrence Tynes kicks that ball through in overtime, and 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 you know that not only are you going to the Super Bowl, but you've just I mean you've just conquered the Green Bay Packers, Brett Favre in Lambeau Field to do it. <laughs> well, I can tell you this: the first thing is you, 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 the first thing you probably realize is that you're no longer cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, especially a guy in my position that is in and out of the game, and 
um, as a as a backup wide receiver, and then and then as a special teams player, you know, you never get that full rhythm of playing a series of football. So, um, so obviously, when you're getting down to you know, it was, it was about as intense as it could possibly be, as far as all those missed field goals and midfield goals and the back and forth, the pendulum swings. And so when he finally kicks it through, it's it's, it's just pure jubilee, man. It's just like it's it's absolute disbelief. It's absolute um, mayhem internally. Like we're going to the Super Bowl. This is every player's dream, every kid's dream. Um, and the fact that we were we were we were living this out. And I'm not even sure how much the storyline goes into goes into play at the moment, you know, more more other than the fact that they were just a team in our way. And uh and then you look back and you start counting all the you know all, all the details, you know, that, that really le- that le- that leads to this momentous moment. So it was it was really special. And and then what what what's your feeling as a team? Uh, I mean, you guys are in the Super Bowl, but you're essentially in the eyes of the the media storyline, you you know, you, you're the bridesmaids, I guess. It's you are the te- you are the team there to be the team who everyone remembers as being on the losing end of nineteen and zero. You know, as mm-hmm. much as you'd had that at the end of the regular season, you'd played them close. There was still nobody who really, really, I guess, saw that the cracks that. Now looking back, I can see the cracks in that Patriots team. I can see how they struggled to beat the Chargers and how you guys kind of showed something in that game as well. But you know, going into Super Bowl week, that isn't the storyline at all, is it? No, no. It's just, I mean, when you when you're on the brink of NFL history, that that's that's an all-consuming storyline. You know, um, and when you were, and although you know, just like any team, any team has cracks and flaws, but most teams lose throughout the season, and they didn't. So, yeah, is it a story that everybody wants to captivate? I can understand that. And um, and I think from our end, of course, that worked out a little bit to our favor. Um, you know, we New York wants to be the bully, and uh, we played that way in our first regular season game, so we, we had every reason to believe that we could beat that team. We were upset that we didn't beat that team. but it, But to give them credit, it was a testament to to the quality of that football team. That's what I really appreciate about the win, is that they were an eighteen and zero football team. Yeah, they were good as they as, as we thought they were, and we beat them. And um, and you know that's that, that's kind of what makes it all so special when it comes to sport, when it comes to um, you know you know upsets and, and things of that nature. Um, in our mind, it wasn't an upset, but you know, because we were upset that we didn't beat them in, in regular season. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, at the same time, it's a tremendous upset when you look at, you know, what was on the table for sports history and, you know, all those other factors. But but sports history was also made on some other end. So it's, it's just really great. Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. There's more every day during the Cheltenham Festival. Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play for-to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full-time supply, 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. 
So, the unlikely wildcard New York Giants make it all the way to the Super Bowl. They've come through the wildcard. They've, you know, the closest they've come to thrashing a team is in Tampa Bay, the 24-14 win. But field goal win in overtime over the Packers. No way, surely, they can beat the juggernaut at this point, 18-0 New England Patriots. Uh, you, there's one element we haven't talked about about this season yet. We'll maybe get to after we've talked about the Super Bowl. But this is also a Giants team, which, of course, came to London to play in the first ever yep. London game that year. And, well, let's just mention it now, because it is worth mentioning that when you watch the America's game back of this season, they all talk in very glowing terms about what that did for their season. Even though they, they'd started off uh, 0-2, they'd gone on the run of, of six wins in a row, which, which ended in London. And off the back of the bye, they lost two of their next three. But... When they talked about the postseason run and the importance of the team unity there, they said having essentially a second training camp in the middle of the season was actually really important to them. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I've heard that from basically every guy I've spoke to on that team that it was it was a, it was a big part of that season season for them. Um, and and yeah, and and it just felt like the momentum built with this team over the course of that the the, the, the latter half of that season, and 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 you know it culminates in in this incredible Super Bowl that is not what is expected in any way, shape, or form. In that it's low scoring, you know they they, they tortured Tom Brady the defense. I mean, if we do have the OC audio, this is where we'll put it in just so he can talk about what a job that that that, that defense did. But you know, ultimately. I guess it's remembered for the for the Tyree catch, and and I've I kind of want to run a decent amount of the audio of him describing you know the build up to that game and 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 his memories of that play because alongside you know the immaculate reception and players like that, this is one of the most significant players in NFL history. You know the backstory to it is that the Patriots have struggled all game, but Brady with two minutes left, two minutes left, puts them puts them ahead in the game, 14-10, and, and you think that they've got the job done. You know, they have the big drive, he hits Moss for the touchdown, and, and it looks like it's there. And, and then Eli Manning is deep inside of his own territory. You know, rushes everywhere. He's in the grasp of guys all the way through. Somehow doesn't get sacked and then throws up this absolute prayer to this unknown guy called David Tyree, who as we'll get into in a second, has had the worst pre-Super Bowl practice seemingly in NFL history. And it all comes down to him making a play against Rodney Harrison, one of the one of the greatest safeties in, in, in modern times and a guy who I'm sure will probably be in the Hall of Fame at some point. So let's hear Tyree just, just talk us through that moment and that play that, that culminates in, in the New York Giants pulling off the, the, what I guess is, is still the biggest upset in, in Super Bowl history. And, and and I'll be honest. This is a slightly loaded question because I, I spoke to OCU Manure, your your teammate from that team, who who suggested to me that you didn't personally have the best week of of practice. Is that is that accurate? Because he oh, suggested. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I did. I had the worst Friday practice ever. It was it was uh, <laughs> it was only one day, but you know Friday is typically known to be a uh, clean up day. A a feel-good Friday, we call it. It's almost like a rehearsal. So everything is supposed to be sharp. And I picked Friday to have my worst worst practice of my life. <laughs> right before the Super Bowl, where I dropped everything. 
And just, I mean, what were you thinking then on the back of that going into the game? Oh, I didn't, honestly, I really didn't think anything. I, I just thought I had the worst practice of my life, and and you know, I was just going to close the chapter on that. And, um, and you know, like you know, it's one thing to drop two passes in a, in, a, in a practice. You know, maybe three is really horrible. Um, yeah, I dropped, I dropped both, I dropped more than that. You know. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, it was as if I dropped them all, you know. So, yeah. So it was it was just one of those rough days of work. Um, you know, obviously it adds to the tale, but uh, you know, of course, you know Eli, you know he was one of those first people to just kind of come and say, hey, "Man, you know we believe in you. We come, you know, we know you'll be ready." And so did I. So you know, um, those those are kind of the neat experiences for me because, you know, as as a player. As much as no one ever wants to have a day like that or a game like that, if you can't put that behind you and move forward, then you know you probably don't have the mental aptitude to really play or survive or excel at that level for long. So, um, but it does make a tremendous story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the catch itself. Where where are you at in the in the progressions on that play call? You know, are you? Are you the first yeah. read, the second read, the third read? Where, where actually, do you? S- I, I actually can be the I can be the first read, uh, depending on a particular coverage, and we actually got that coverage, and so it really depends on how the the the, the defense responds to me, if they if they carry which was a post over the top, it, which which they should if they take the post over the top, and we can hit Steve Smith on an out route under on a deep out route, and uh. Um, so, and the way they played it, we we certainly had a shot at the post. Yeah. And obviously, none of that really mattered because you know we thank thank God for our offensive line who uh, struggled to block anybody on that play and <laughs> on to history, right? So yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, I can't say it's definitively the first read. It's really one of those you know true read plays. If if the, if if those safeties. Um, are biting down on the cell route. We can throw it over the top, and I think Eli's looking for that. So it can be a top-down read, um, but you know it's it's one of those one of those deals. Yeah, and and you know I spoke to I spoke to Franco Harris about three months ago about the immaculate reception, and uh, mm-hmm. obviously your play and his play. The, the the similarities there in terms of, but what Franco said to me was, I can remember seeing Terry Bradshaw under pressure. And I can remember being in the end zone. And he can't remember anything that happened in between. And has said he never has <laughs> been able to remember anything. Like, it's not just an over-the-air scenario. He said, I have never, ever remembered it. And he said he watches the footage and he thinks, how did any of that happen? How did I catch the ball in stride with the ball just above the ground? What was your experience in terms of, you know, you're, you're with Rodney Harrison, probably the hardest-hitting safety in football, and somehow you're holding on to a ball over the top of his head that still now, when I watch it back, completely defies any logic. Yeah, you know, it's that, I think that's the amazing part of the play is there's a miraculous element. I call it a divine element. I call it providence. I don't I don't call it luck, you know, um, because there's too much purpose and meaning behind it. Um, but, but short story, um, I can remember most of it. I can remember running that post. Um, and as I turn around, Eli's already under the rest and just, you know, and I think because, you know, in my personal experience, 
I've always, you know, especially in college, had mobile quarterbacks or, I, you know, there was never the idea of, you know, kind of quitting on a play or, you know, just giving up on a play because the guy's under duress. So, as he, you know, just as I turn around and see that, you know, he it was kind of very, just as close as he pops out. And so then it was, you know, of course, being on a, on a post route, you got to work your way back toward the middle of the field or come back toward the quarterback. So I saw some green grass that, that I was able to settle into. And so this is all obviously happened very fast. And, and uh, you know, just as I settle in, you know, I sense that he's going to give me a shot. Now, from that moment, it's like, you know, everything's slow motion, chariots of fire type of feeling <laughs> um, as far as tracking that ball and trying to position myself to high point. And, uh, and when I went up, I just remember going up with two hands, feeling both hands touching the ball, but instinctually in my mind, I was preparing for contact because, you know, I just didn't expect to be open that long. Yeah. So, so um, internally, just as I go up, I was bracing for contact. And so when it came, it wasn't a surprise. And, and in my mind, I just, I had it. Contact comes and, and it was just feeling like I'm clenching it. Like I knew I had it and I'm not letting it go. Yeah. And so that whole time and do and I do remember getting my second hand back on the on the ball, but I have no idea that it's on my head. Yeah. I just know I got this catch and I'm not letting it go. And I get that second hand back on it, I secure it, and it's just it's just a big play. In my mind it's just a big play. There's no thoughts of history, there's no thoughts of my thought was what's the grouping, what's the personnel grouping? Do I gotta get out the game? What do we you know, <laughs> get the ball on the ground, get it to the ref because we still gotta win the game. So it was um it was it was a lot that that was that happened that that wasn't as significant as you know because none of it matters until you win. Oh, it makes me want to go back and watch it again, Matthew Sherry. How does it make you feel? I don't want to talk. About it. <laughs> no, it's it's just a, it's just you know if it wasn't if it wasn't nineteen and oh it wouldn't bother me like the the Manningham one that follows it doesn't really bother me that much but this one is. You know the the periods, and and it wouldn't surprise me if nineteen and zero becomes something that they push for again this season. Because it is one thing that would sum up the greatness of the dynasty is is our nineteen and zero season. And um, but yeah, it doesn't happen because of catches like Tyrese, and and ultimately because of Eli Manning. You know, it's easy to forget now as he we think crumbles towards retirement that. He's at the centre of two of the most remarkable Super Bowl performances in, in history. I mean, that catch. And then, for me, the, the Manningham throw in, in the Super Bowl a few years later, which is a similar Tyree-esque play, is just incredible. It might be the greatest throw of all time. So, so yeah, I mean, they just had their number. And I don't think we'll see it tonight, but all the games they've basically played, Eli Manning against Spirits, have been tight, if I remember rightly. I mean, there's the 35, 38-35. There's the there was a there was another game that where I think they beat them in Foxborough where Manning, Manning drove down the field with two minutes left to win the Giants the game after Brady had done the same so kind of a repeat of what happened in that Super Bowl and then I think the last time they played the Patriots had to kick a 53 yard field goal to win in 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 the fourth quarter so they they over the last 
12, 13 years, there's probably never been two teams who've played in, in more competitive games consistently. And look, be it for me to stick up for the Patriots on literally anything, but the fact is, is that for people who hate the fact that the Patriots have been as successful as they have over the last 15, 16 years now, 17, 18, blimey, it just keeps going, doesn't it? Um, the one thing they deliver time and time again is great Super Bowls. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the Rams, the 10 point margin of victory over the Rams was by far the largest that's ever been in a New England Super Bowl. Yes, they lost by, by eight to the Eagles, but you can hardly call that game in any way a blowout. It's still a single score game. And then you just go back through it. It was four, four over the Seahawks. It was three. Uh, it was two, well, it was two winning field goals early on. It was the, the three points and the four points against the Giants. They always turn up great games. So, um, look, I'd, be it for me to say that I wouldn't want to see them back there again. If 19 and 0, is a possibility how incredible that could be when we get towards February and we get towards Miami and to do it in Miami as well just if they get the number one overall pick or don't even worse the sad irony of all of it uh Sherry always a pleasure anything that you need to be plugging for coming up what have we got coming up on the show next week um I will check next week the the only thing I want to do is apologize yet again to Miami Dolphins fans who who I promised this would be the week but I found a really unusual one that plugs a gap later on in the season to do that 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 team um and yeah I think it's interesting basically we're going to wait until the game against the team who came closest to beating them that season and I think if I remember rightly that hits in Week 11, maybe? Um, I think uh, it is it's week not that 11. far away. People can enjoy the London games until then and then anticipate it. Absolutely, buddy. And then, yeah, next week, uh, we're going to do a little a little potted history of the, um, of the Raiders next week. Um, it's Raiders-Packers, which was Super Bowl 2. Um, we've done a lot of Packers so far. So, yeah, we're going to do a little bit like we did with the America's Game Cowboys show in week two, I think it was. We're going to do a a, a kind of history of the Raiders, really dig deep on Al Davis and everything that he built there, what makes a Raider a Raider. And and for that show, I think we'll speak to um, Ron Wolf, who was a long-time executive with the Raiders before he got to the Packers. Um, We will speak to Amy Trask, who was... um, who was um, the CEO of the Raiders when Davis was there. And we'll also speak to, to Jim Plunkett and George Atkinson, a couple of guys who were involved at, at the point when the Raiders were at their most successful. Wonderful stuff. Well, thank you so much for listening. As always, please do rate and review, particularly on iTunes. It doesn't. Here's an industry secret for you. Their rankings aren't based on the number of people that listen to a show. They are based on interactions and reviews and how many people are interacting with the... There's all sorts of weird algorithms with it, a bit like there is with all the social medias. So if you can hit us up on there, it'd be much appreciated. It does help the podcast grow. We'll have the preview pod out tomorrow. Looking forward to the weekend and reviewing this game on Thursday Night Football between the Giants and the Patriots. Uh, Sherry, any final thoughts? Just that I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend. I think it's, uh, this, this schedule this weekend is amazing, so I can't wait for it. Looking forward to it, buddy. See you on Sunday. This has been... See you then, pal. NFL 100 show from Gridiron.